Welcome to We Go There. I'm Lexi. And I'm Nikki. And our favorite conversations are when someone starts by saying, this might be TMI, but... But hey, we go there. Because there's no such thing as having too much information when it comes to your health and wellness. We dive deep into topics, interview experts, and get answers you need. Because knowledge is power. And feeling empowered is what we're all about. So let's go there. So today we are sitting with Jen McClellan, and we are going to be talking all about plus-sized birth. She herself is an expert. She's a child educator. She's a published author. And we're going to talk about bias. We're going to talk about fat phobia, some, some myths, and you know, basically some really important information and in a conversation I think that is personally overdue, at least over at the Bell Method. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Nikki and Lexi. It's it's awesome. I think we're going to have some surprises and some like aha moments. And I think more people are going to realize that they want to be a part of this conversation than I think they realize because so many people don't identify as plus size, but many of us are without even knowing it. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I feel like I'm going to be fully honest. I'm a like a little anxious for the episode. And part of the reason for that is that I have frankly never been in a plus size body. And I'm now sort of like facing the reality that like maybe I do have some things to unlearn and some biases that I need to address. Um, and I have to thank a follower for reaching out. So the reason that I reached out to you is because it was, she herself is expecting and she reached out and she said, you know what, I've been on your page and I haven't seen a lot of diversity on your page with respect to body shapes and sizes. And my first reaction was like, well, it's just me shooting the video. So, you know, what am I supposed to do? But then, you know, I thought about what she said and I said, you know what, she's, she's right. I need to make this a more welcoming and inclusive and encouraging space. So thank you for helping us do that. No, I I appreciate it. And I, you know, I'm a plus size person. I exist in a larger body and I have my own biases about body size too. I mean, we all do, right? We're human. We all have our own biases and how we learn and how we unpack them is by having uncomfortable conversations, but it makes you a thin ally by existing in a smaller body and hearing that feedback and taking it and wanting to do something about it. But I think it's normal. Your initial reaction was like, but, but, but this is my platform. <laughs> totally, totally normal and common. Um, but but let's dig into it. That's yeah. great. And what just is there a definition around what is because you mentioned some people may be a plus size and not even know that they're plus size. So is there kind of a general definition around what would qualify you as being a plus size? Yes. And it's the dreaded BMI, <laughs> the body mass index that was uh, established in the 1900s by a statistician. Like I like to joke that, and we all know that nothing in, in medical technology has improved since the 1900s or like, it's like, uh, we'll wait, 18. I don't know. It was forever ago. Right. Um, World War One, when it came up, and it's racist, and it, it, there's so much that we can unpack about the BMI. But basically, sorry, I get on my soapbox a little there. It's it's ridiculous that we are still using this as the marker of health. And I put health in quotes because we have plenty of studies to show that people who exist in all different body sizes can be healthy, and people who are thin can be unhealthy too, right? 
Um, but that was a long way to say a BMI of 30 and above is classified as uh, the word obese, which I don't like to use. Uh, and so that's actually 60% of people in their childbearing years who can get pregnant in the United States are classified as um, overweight or obese. And of that, about 36% are classified as obese. So we're looking at the majority of people are in that overweight, obese classification. Um, so who can get pregnant? So that's a big majority and why we need to be having these conversations. Because I think shows like TLC um, and their pregnancy highlights have really misconstrued what it is like to be pregnant in a larger body and gives us the assumption of, oh, well, I, I didn't have a plus size pregnancy, whereas so many people actually do. Yeah, that's those stats are, are really, I'm going to say interesting, especially because I just did a poll yesterday that you responded to in stories. And I found out that only 17% of the people following me on the Bell Method identify as plus sized. And you're saying it's over 60% really. Who are <laughs> overweight or obese according or to the BMI. Right. But as you said from the beginning, Nikki, your feed does not represent diversity. So me as someone existing in a larger body, if I was looking to become pregnant, love you, you're awesome, but I would never follow you because Ouch. I wouldn't feel welcome. And I, I hate to say that, you're, I follow you, I do, I follow you. But if I was just someone who was searching for resources, right, right, I wouldn't. And I hate to say that, but it's true. I think, <laughs> way, right? I think that's a good takeaway for any professionals listening, right? And I do a lot of consulting around how to be size inclusive because we all want to support people, right? Like at our core, I, I listen to your show, the work that you both do, you care about people, right? But just by not having diversity on your feed, it says that I'm not welcome to be a part of your community. Oh, that's shitty. I mean, everyone's <laughs> got pelvic floor and I want to save all the pelvic floors. That's yes, please kid. save my pelvic yeah. floor. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, the more we can get, you know, and this is the challenge, right? Because the initial reaction is one of defensiveness. And I'm like, okay, no, Nikki, learn. You're here to, and it's true. I, I do hate to hear that, but I'm, I know you're absolutely right, Jen. And, and so what do we do about that? But this isn't about consulting me and helping me with my social media. This is about educating people, <laughs> especially who you, you know, who may be feeling this bias in healthcare around, you know, you know, we all, and I've got actually did a, a really good interview with a cousin of mine who does exist in a, an obese body. And she's, not had a baby, but we've talked about the fact that you know she'll go to the doctor, and it's like everything is around weight, even though the actual issue has nothing to do with weight. So yeah. it can't. She's she's shared her struggles, and I I know you're you're nodding your head right now. So um, let's talk a little bit about that healthcare bias. Yeah, absolutely, and not just not just your feed. Sorry, I also want to say it like as we pointed out, it's a BMI of thirty and above is classified as the the O word, um, and I just don't think a lot of people necessarily realize that or view themselves as plus size. And that's fine too, right? But it is more people than we realize or that who completed your survey on Instagram. Um, so yeah, let, let's, let's dig into the bias. You know, 
We have, unfortunately, a lot of statistics to show that there is a medical bias against people of size in healthcare and not just during pregnancy. Um, we know that people aren't going to the doctor. We know that when people are made to feel ashamed by their care for provider, they are less likely to receive routine medical care and more likely to gain weight. Um, it, it's heart-wrenching. The, the solution is not to shame people or make them feel badly. Uh, the solution is to meet people where they are at and provide evidence-based compassionate health care. But as people who exist in larger bodies, that can be really hard to access when you don't know who might be size-friendly and who might not be. What does it mean to be size-friendly? That's a great question. Um, it is, you know, it could be a care provider or even you, Nikki or Lexi, who has addressed their own biases or is working through their own biases and working to be inclusive for healthcare providers. It's someone who is experienced and skilled in working with people in larger bodies, someone who is compassionate, providing evidence-based healthcare, has the tools to support people in larger bodies. So for example, using you know a larger blood pressure cuff, having a gown that covers someone's body, it can be completely you know, humiliating and undignified to be receiving health care when your body isn't fully covered and you don't feel safe. So it's being aware of your environment. I'll say one way that I'll, I'll cinch it up real quick for people uh, of all sizes listening is it's chairs without arms. So when there's a chair without arms, uh, people of all sizes can sit mm-hmm. and feel comfortable and feel welcome. So I always encourage people in their daily lives, whether they're a care provider or pregnant or whatever, you know, to be an ally to people of size is just to look in their own environment. Like a lot of lawn furniture, outdoor furniture has the tiny seats with arms. And if you have, you know, your your plus size cousin, maybe you realize that, oh my gosh, wait, they weren't actually ever sitting in those chairs because they're not inclusive mm-hmm. and they can't sit comfortably. Maybe they can, maybe they can't, but it's just something to be aware of. A lot of restaurants um, are being more inclusive with their chairs as well. This episode of the We Go There podcast is brought to you by The Bell Method, a fitness company that blends Pilates with pelvic health, creating choreography from science. You might feel overwhelmed at all the abs after baby programs promising to make you bounce back after birth, or maybe you're feeling unsure of how to exercise in pregnancy and prepare your body for delivery. It can be tough to navigate what information is credible and evidence-based. Women deserve better. I created all of our programs with the guidance of pelvic health physiotherapists, and we continue to evolve our programming to stay current with the latest research. At The Bell Method, we ditch guilt and bring balance to our bodies with programs designed to fit your life stage. We'll help you reduce incontinence, diastasis recti, and prolapse so you feel strong, confident, and empowered throughout pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. I invite you to enjoy 10% off your first class session with the code WEGOTHERE10. Visit www.thebellmethod.com for more. And I noticed on your Instagram, so you mentioned uh, and recently posted about um, your midwife experience and that being one of the first experiences where you felt they were, I guess, catering or or not catering, but really being welcoming and an ally, um, right, to you being a plus size pregnant woman. So can you maybe just speak about that experience a bit and then how 
people advocate for themselves in the way that you probably did to end up in the situation that you did, which was a positive birth experience being a plus size pregnant woman? Yeah, I got pregnant and went online and read that all of these things would happen to me because I exist in a larger body. And I was like, wait, but I've always been active and healthy. And why just because of my size? And I just went to a regular OB and they're like, "Eh, you know, we're glad you're 30 BMI, but I didn't feel fully supported. Um, They were okay. I think we feel that way about many of our care providers, right? They were okay. They didn't shame me. Uh, And so I hired a doula five months into my pregnancy and she was like, wait, you want an unmedicated birth and you're going to this OB that works at this hospital? Uh, Have you considered, you know, the midwifery model of care? And I hadn't because I assumed that I was high risk because of my size. And that is an assumption that many people have, but that's not actually um, accurate. And so I switched the midwifery model and It was the first time in my adult life that a care provider touched my body with compassion and empowered me to believe that my body was healthy and I could have a healthy outcome. And in fact, I gave birth on my knees in a hospital and it changed everything. And because of that, I became, you know, a certified childbirth educator and built plus size birth that has like over 7 million page views now. And do I get to do this work because simply a care provider touched my body with compassion. Wow. That's really powerful. Lex and I have both had midwives and we can attest to the difference in care. We've oh had, gosh. we yeah. both had both OBs and both midwives and there's definitely a difference. <laughs> yes, 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 for sure. But when we have so many assumptions and misconceptions about pregnancy in a larger body that, oh, you are high risk and you must work with OBs. And, you know, in, in some uh, areas of the world you do. In Canada, there's more flexibility, but I know the healthcare system's different in the United States as well. Um, there are many places like birthing centers that have BMI restrictions. So even if you are having a low-risk pregnancy, you might not be able to have a birth center birth or have access to certain midwifery programs. Um, but the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists does not state that people based only upon their BMI should be classified as high-risk. And I firmly believe that and back that up. And I fear the day that changes, which is why I do so much advocacy to raise awareness that we need to be working with people on a case-by-case basis because people of all sizes can develop gestational diabetes. Just because there is a slight increased risk for people that exist in a larger body doesn't mean that it will automatically incur. You're so right. And so many of the recommendations for the ACOG and the SOGC are actually not implemented. So that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's it's frustrating. And then there are some new studies and recommendations that were like, whoa, 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 wait, why are we inducing everyone? Like I, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's very, it's very frustrating. And if we just provided individualized healthcare, which is like midwifery model of care, um, we'd see a lower reduction in cesarean births, but also not all midwives are size friendly. So we need to be clear about that too. Oh my gosh. I love everything we're talking about here. Um, I, so I'm going to, I'm going to say something because I, after my stories yesterday, and I, I like to do this because it, it kind of gives a bit of something to lead into. Cause now I'm like, okay, well, we talked a little bit about this on stories. People, I got a couple comments from people and this is just an indicator of the bias that exists where in they were negative comments about oh, yeah. like, you know, I got some positive ones like, yay. So happy you're talking about this, but a couple from it's like, well, we shouldn't be encouraging obesity and, but it's a higher risk birth. So people need to like, you know, so I got those comments as well. So yeah. 
you know, and of course I, I just don't, I didn't respond anyways, <laughs> but I was like, and thank you. So now I'm going to bring this up in the yeah. podcast because it's something we need to talk about. Yeah. So there's a lot of racism and sexism and um, fat phobia in the world and the medical community. So are we basically saying that people who are plus size shouldn't become parents? Is that what we're saying when they say those comments? I mean, really, we can break it down to that, that you're saying that only thin people should have the right to become parents. And that's pretty messed up, Um, especially when we know that people of all sizes can be healthy and have healthy outcomes. Uh, One one thing that we look at is the media has really perpetuated um, the obesity crisis, right? And especially around when we look at and Google obesity and pregnancy or plus size pregnancy, it's all these polarizing numbers that are actually relative risk and not actual risk. So... um, Nikki and Lexi, I know you exist in smaller bodies. So your risk profile is is lower than mine, right? Because I exist in a larger body. And if we were just to compare your risk profile compared to mine and looked at those two numbers, they would look dramatically different. And so we could say, wow, Jen, Jen, you have a four to five times greater chance of incurring gestational diabetes during pregnancy. And that's what we read, right? Online, in news articles, on some of the major uh, health publications around pregnancy. Well, oh my gosh, is that 40%, 50%? Oh, I'm scared. Yeah, they're right. I, I shouldn't get pregnant. Well, that's the relative risk. That isn't my actual risk factor, right? My actual risk factor is about 17%. So I've got like an 83% chance of not incurring gestational diabetes. And that number isn't even fixed. And by being physically active and proactive with my nutrition, I, I can reduce that number even further. Like, and so that's what I encourage people to is when they're being told these polarizing things, be like, um, can you all let me know what my actual risk is? And so often care providers don't have that number off the top of their head because we've been so fed these relative risks comparing bodies. Well, yeah, that's some statistics, but that really doesn't tell someone what their actual risk is. That's a really, really good point, I think, because you're right. It's like that when you hear, oh, four to five times more likely, you know, it's it's very alarming and, and yeah. it can I imagine it can feel like shaming in some. Oh yeah. Capacity. Well, in stillbirth too. Oh, we must induce you, or you need to have a cesarean birth because of your size, because your risk of stillbirth. Okay. Well, Nick, Nikki, your risk is like four percent, and mine is seven. Right. So it's not. Yes. Someone might look at seven percent and be like, okay, I want to be induced, and I fully respect them. Right. I respect their decision because they looked at the evidence and they made the decision that was right for them. But the difference between four and seven isn't that much, right? But we're making people of size feel like their bodies are incapable of having healthy outcomes. And what does that perpetuate in their lives and in society? It tells me that I can't be healthy. It tells me that I shouldn't become a parent. Well, how is that ever going to help me feel good about myself and my wellness overall? It's not. <laughs> so if we treat people with kindness and we meet them where we're at, then we're going to see healthier outcomes around the board. And we're going to encourage people to feel better about themselves and raise their kids to be more body positive as well. Right. Absolutely. For sure. And so in someone who is pregnant for the first time is hearing these, wait, now I need to get it right. The risk, the relative versus what's the two? Actual. Actual. 
actual, um, relative versus the actual risk. And so, and then deciding how they're going to move forward with their OB or whether it's a midwife and making those decisions. I mean, Nikki talks about the advocacy side of this all the time. And we've interviewed people and we've talked about it so much on this podcast, but we've actually never addressed the questions that for plus size, you would need to be asking in addition to that to get to the point of knowing, oh, this is the relative risk versus the actual risk that I'm facing. And also moving forward comfortably with an OB that's going to support you or a midwife. So what are the key things that being plus size you need to be asking as like a toolkit for ensuring you have, you know, the type of experience that you did, which is just like how you explain that is so moving. Yeah. Well, you said toolkit. And in fact, I have a free toolkit people there can download go. on plusslivesbirth.com um, on how to plug. connect. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for setting that up. Um, how to yeah. connect with a size-friendly care provider. But really, it starts with doing research, right? And I, I know you're in Canada. I'm in the United States. So things are a little bit different. But I have a lot of flexibility of who I choose to work with, right? So I can, um, you know, like you, you're Googling someone you're dating <laughs> online, right? So Google your dog. Right. Look at reviews. Um, ask your plus size friends. Ask your plus size coworkers, especially if you have the same insurance. If you're in the United States, if you're in Canada, you don't. I don't want to misspeak on your system, but do your research. Find out who might be a good fit. Ask in. Um, I always encourage people who are struggling to find a size friendly care provider to join a local mom's Facebook group and post in there, hey, is anyone plus size that had a really great experience with your care provider? I'd love to get some names, right? So you get a couple names and then you can Google and do some research and then call ahead. Um, I wish that we could interview our care providers in advance, right? Like, wouldn't that be awesome? And and some people can. And in fact, I was able to meet with that midwife uh, at the hospital before I even switched care providers. And I was just fortunate because my doula knew her, right? So I had that privilege. But um, I was able to get a feel for if she was someone who could meet my needs. But you can call ahead and ask does your facility work with people of all different BMIs? Do you have any BMI restrictions? Do you have larger blood pressure cuffs? Do you have larger gowns? Um, asking those questions in advance, that those are pretty easy questions that someone at the front desk um, or medical assistant would be able to answer, right? So then you're feeling pretty good. Okay, I've got some names. I've, I've, got, I've asked some initial questions and I'm going to show up. And then you make observations. When I'm sitting in that lobby, are there chairs without arms? What are all the materials around, like looking around and seeing, scoping out their website? Do they have anything on their website that they, they look to be inclusive? Scope out their social media too. Um, more and more care providers now that I've been working with are, you know, clearly stating that they are size inclusive. Um, and then really pay attention to how you are treated. Uh, especially when it comes to being weighed, having your blood pressure taken, uh, how are you being talked to? How are you being touched? Um, and then when you're working with a care provider, um, you know, if you have a history of being mistreated by care providers, which many people in larger bodies do, you can even express that, express how you're feeling in that moment. And that really helps to humanize the situation. Um, but ask them, are there any special um you know, testing or uh, recommendations you're going to have because of my BMI. And some 
care providers will label you as high risk from the beginning and will want you to do non-stress tests and will maybe even talk about induction. And if that's the right fit for you, then that's the right fit for you. But for other people, they're like, whoa, no, I want someone to follow me through the trajectory of my pregnancy. And if I remain low risk, then I don't need those extra interventions. Um, But you need to decide what's best for you and ask those questions. And at the end of the day, really trust your gut because that's what's going to tell you. And they may, these care providers went to school for many, many years, right? And they are incredible at their jobs, but no one knows your body better than you. And you're going to be amazing advocate for that baby and their healthcare. And you've got to do it for yourself too. Amen to all of that. And and so much of it, I think, comes down to being educated, right? Because then when you're educated, you are able to advocate advocate for yourself better, yeah. right? You're nodding your head. Um, I, I took a couple questions from the audience in stories, and there's one that I thought was really, I don't know, it, it got me. She basically writes, is it actually safe? I've been told I need to lose weight before conceiving. And I know you work with people who are trying to get pregnant. So what would you say to that? You know, there is nothing that only plus size people incur during pregnancy. So while there are increased risks, and I would never say that there aren't, there are some increased risks. So I encourage people who are trying to conceive to focus on their overall health and focus on their wellness, focus on finding physical activity that brings you joy. I loved water aerobics during pregnancy and I love walking now, like find movement that brings you joy, work on your relationship with food, maybe connect with a health at every size nutritionist. If you struggle with disordered eating, uh, work on sleeping. That is something so many of us are terrible at, you know, right? Start really looking at what vitamins and nutrients you have. Go and find a doctor and have a preconception visit and look at where your vitamin D levels, where are all of your levels? Work on your overall wellness and your overall health and take that one factor, that number on the scale, off the table and just focus on you and your overall, you know, health (laughs) and, um, unpacking a lot of the fears that you have. Maybe, maybe therapy is a good idea too. Um, being mindful of what information you're taking in, all of these things are going to benefit you, right? Whether you get pregnant or not. Um, but I encourage people to rethink how we look at health and fertility is a finite amount of time. So if you want to lose a significant amount of weight before getting pregnant and that's your journey, then that's your journey. But I hear from so many people that have full regrets of either doing dramatic things to lose weight before getting pregnant and their care providers never telling them that the odds of gaining a lot of that weight back rapidly is very high Um, or they never get pregnant because they never get the weight off because we know statistically with dieting, about 96% of diets fail. So if we stop focusing on dieting and focus on wellness, our overall health and mental health will be positively impacted. I think that's really message for everybody, right? Yes. Stop, <laughs> stop looking at the scale and focus on your overall wellness and health and mental health and your relationship with food and your, you know, even therapy if you have disordered eating. I mean, this is helpful for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what I wanted to kind of like come across in the beginning is like, okay, and how do we emphasize to find 
Find a size-friendly care provider. Oh, someone who doesn't treat people like shit. Oh, that's great. That's who I want to work with. Someone, wait, someone who provides evidence-based compassionate care. Oh, wait, that's great for everyone. And especially people looking for like a VBAC-friendly care provider are often size-friendly care providers, right? So at the end of the day, we're saying, hey, don't make assumptions about people based only upon what they look like. Because yes, you can look at me right now and be like, Jen's a big girl, but you have no idea like what I eat, how active I am, what my health is. Same as me looking at you. I don't know, but I can make assumptions that can lead to biases that can lead to healthcare recommendations that are not evidence-based and actually cause harm. So, you know, with your opening for your show of like, I got something that's TMI, you know, people of size, some people are told their vagina is too fat to birth their babies, right? No, actually, no. Actually, yes. Actually, yes. actually yeah. so much yes that I hired a researcher to dig into this because I'm like, oh, I'm calling BS on that, but I, you know, I'm a what certified childbirth educator. Exactly. I know. I love research, but I, I want to hire someone. So I paid a researcher to dig into it. Um, and there's nothing to say that someone's vagina can get so fat that they can't have a vaginal birth. There's actually studies to show that the pushing stage for people in larger bodies is often shorter. So we know that the labor during when, when someone's laboring and getting to, you know, they're going from a, their cervix is dilating, right? Everything's opening. That phase, that stage can take longer. And so often we're like, oh, failure to progress. We've got to hurry up and, and make all these interventions or just call it a cesarean birth. But we know that for people of size, they just need a little bit more time. And then statistically, the pushing stage is often shorter. So, um, yeah, but people are being told this. That, okay. yeah, and I, I'll share the article. That is interesting. The evidence in it. Um, but but we look at that. So people just need a little bit more time on the clock, more support, um, you know, but we know that interventions and epidurals mm -hmm. and not being able to move into different positions and or not being have a peanut ball brought in or, you know, getting that hands on support that some people aren't putting their hands and physically supporting people of size as much that we're not seeing as much progression. So, yes, things are slowing down and then we're having we can see this cascade. Right. Um, so, yeah. Lexi here. Okay, so let's shift to another under the radar, not so hot topic for a minute. Body hair. Everyone's got it, but a lot of us want to live smoother. Am I right? 10 years ago, I started Wax On Laser and Wax Bar. Wax On isn't just any waxing and laser hair removal bar. We are the industry leader creating a safe space that inspires people to live confidently in their own skin. Over the years, we've developed trust. Trust that you know you're getting the best quality and comfortable experience every single time. Whatever you come to Wax On for, it's going to be awesome. We've created our own exclusive gold wax formula that's like no other. It's as pain-free and long-lasting as it gets, perfect for all your waxing needs. At Wax On, we've invested in top-of-the-line laser technology that's effective on virtually any hair and skin tone for effective results on every body. Seriously. And we carry a carefully curated collection of products. Some we make ourselves, locally I might add, and some are from brands we've fallen in love with that adhere to our values and standards of clean, good for you, and female founded. 
If you haven't experienced Wax On, I invite you to enjoy 20% off your first service with code WEGOTHERE. Visit waxon.ca or download the mobile app to book in with code WEGOTHERE because there is such a thing as a better hair removal experience to help you live smoother. Well, I own a chain of wax bars, wax and laser bars. (laughs) 80 plus percent of our business is below the belt. And I've never heard of fat vaginas. Right. Right. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a bunch of BS. And as I, I, I like to talk about it when I do, um, presentations to care providers and everyone's like, Oh my gosh. Like, like, yes, this is actually being said. Yeah. But then I say like, at first we all laugh, right? Fat vaginas. That kind of sounds funny, but then we unpack how that made someone feel um, some people are told they must have a cesarean birth because of their size. And then they're not only impacting how they feel about their body's ability to birth their baby, but what about intimacy with their partners? What about their body image for the rest of their lives and how they teach their kids about body image? Like this is damaging and destructive. And, um, and it happens all the time on big levels, like, oh, your vagina is too fat. You need to have a cesarean to small levels. Like I got a message today from someone that was told they went to the ER and they were pregnant and they had some concerns and they were, um, told that, you know, on their record, when they were looking at everything in their notes, that they were having a high-risk pregnancy um, because of their size. And they're like, but but I'm not, or complications during pregnancy because of their size. And they're like, but I never said that. And I'm not having any complications. So basically this care provider just looked at me and put this note in my medical record. And this is happening all the time. And so for all of us being mindful of the language we use when we talk to people about their size, um, obese is not a word that people really like. And I know it's a medical term, but it means like fat to eating oneself to fatness, like is the definition like that that's not cool. Right. So, um, I always encourage people to be weight neutral whenever possible. Why do we need to talk about bodies and body sizes and be weight neutral whenever possible? But when we need to talk about weight, ask permission as care providers, like, can we have this conversation and listen to the language that people use when they talk about their bodies? I'm plus size. I'm fat. Not everyone likes the F word. Um, so just being really mindful and and just being kind. Like, I think that's what this comes down to is just treating people with kindness and, and meeting them where they're at and encouraging people to be healthy and to be well, but not based on their size. We should all, you know, be proactive with our wellness. I, you really like, I know Nikki and we talked about her page and all that at the beginning, but even me and my business and and just making sure, I mean, our whole purpose is to provide a safe space for people to, you know, inspire people to live more confidently in their own skin. Like that is, that is our statement. And it, uh, we just did a whole, whole initiative around diversity and inclusion. And have we really looked at our locations and, and made sure that we're so friendly in terms of being an ally to everyone? Because we are an ally. We want people to feel really comfortable coming in. Yeah. Um, you know, so it just your opening eyes, uh, you know, this was around birthing and laboring and that conversation. But I think you're, as you mentioned at the beginning, opening eyes to a lot of other elements of being an ally and also, like you mentioned, it around wellness, like the skinny fat thing is very much a thing where yeah. women are perceived to look so thin and yet their health is, you know, likely wor- far worse than what someone would call a person obese would mm-hmm. be, you know, and it's just yeah. not seen that way on the outside. So 
Yeah. Uh, or yeah. perceived that way on the outside. Yeah. Lexi had an esthetician on my Plus Mommy podcast and we talked about getting waxed in a larger body, right? And she talked about getting into the cannonball position and it was a great episode, but I thought to myself like, oh my gosh, like I don't know if I could comfortably get and stay in that position. And that's one of the things like, well, I'm not going to go um, get waxed. I did, you know, long before I got married and it was so, you know, I was so nervous and scared and I was, you know, much smaller back then. Um, so yeah, if, if there were information on your websites that said, you know, welcoming to all body sizes and, and here are some, you know, ways that we can make you feel comfortable and make you feel safe and that we won't shame you. Oh my gosh, I would give you all my money. And that's the thing, right? Like this is a good business decision. This is what I don't get. Like being inclusive is just smart business and it's just makes you a good human. Yeah, I know. And we have wax waxes for people who are pregnant, like we have specifically book it because it's, you know, obviously it's a different experience and it's the same thing. It's, it's simple for, but it's opening your eyes to it. So thank Mm. you for that. And I'm sure lots of people are listening or feeling the same way. Nikki and I have just received great consulting advice. So (laughs) (laughs) no, you know, we all learn from each other. Right. And so I'd encourage anyone listening to really you know, start with social media, look at your feed and diversify it. Mm-hmm. If everyone is thin and white and you're thin and white, then there's a problem, right? You need to diversify the information that you're taking in because you're going to learn so much and your eyes are going to be open in so many beautiful ways to how, you know, diverse our world is. And it's a really special thing. And we need to be teaching our kids that too. Totally. No, it's, it's, everything you said is completely on point. And I want to go back because I, I sensed that you got a little bit emotional when you talked about that experience of the midwife being the first care provider to touch your body with compassion and kindness. And if you're comfortable with it, and if you're not, that's totally okay. But I'd love to know a little bit more about your experiences beforehand. And like, maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on that. You know, I think my experiences beforehand were ones that I just didn't realize weren't okay. So then when I was touched in such a kind way and everything wasn't related to my weight, I didn't realize healthcare could be that way. But unfortunately, um, years later, I had a, a horrific experience with a care provider. And by that time I was doing healthcare advocacy work and I was struggling to breathe. And yeah, I'm, I'm a big girl. Um, but just, just prior to that, I was doing five K's with my son and got medical clearance and, um, I was struggling to breathe and I had just gotten over a strep throat. So I tried to get in, uh, my family history. I knew an inhaler might help to open up my airway and I feel better. Um, and this doctor took one look at me and didn't look at my records or anything like that and said, um, well, maybe you're so big that you need to be on oxygen. And I was like, no, this isn't normal for me. Like, I can't walk from my car to my office. Like, this isn't, this isn't normal. And I was treated horribly and she wouldn't help me. And she's like, well, you need an EKG before I give you an inhaler. I'm like, fine, give me an EKG. And I just sat there. Like, she thought I was going to go away and I didn't. And she gave me an EKG and it was fine. No, well, there's still risks. And it was awful. I finally, like, stormed out and left. And I called back and um, complained and the medical director read through everything. It was like, you were absolutely right. And I'm so sorry that happened. And you can come back here. We won't charge you. And I was like, no, I, I can never come back. And in fact, I didn't go back to healthcare or see a doctor for over two years. And I gained 60 pounds already existing in a very large body. I became a statistic. I became the statistic that I talked about. And I was struggling to breathe. 
I ended up finally going to urgent care after I almost crashed my car from coughing so much, trying to breathe that I started to black out. And um, I got that inhaler and I was fine afterwards. My airway was just a little, it needed to be opened up. Um, so that is an example of what it's like to be a person in a larger body trying to access healthcare. And I'm someone who knows how to advocate for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm someone who knows the statistics, but I became depressed afterwards and I didn't trust the healthcare system. Um, and it took me years to finally find an, a doctor that was like, I was like, you know, I want to be healthy. And he looked at me and he said, you are healthy. And I cried. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my story. And it's why I am so passionate about this work because I know what it's like to have care providers that empower you, encourage you to feel better about yourselves, right? To, to be proactive with your health as opposed to care providers that strip you of your human dignity or even tell you that you don't have the right to breathe. That's wow. heavy. I'm so sorry that happened to you. You didn't Thank deserve you. that. Thanks. Yeah, okay, that's okay. Let's talk about being an ally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Segue into coffee, real quick. (laughs) Okay, but being an ally, like this, is something that I recognize that I need to do more of, and I, you know, I know I need to do the work, and it's not up to you to do the educating for me. But if you could point me and the listeners in the right direction, yeah. That would be greatly appreciated. Well, I think of your work, right? And all your great videos you do. Was it your cousin that's plus size? Is that what you had said? Maybe your cousin might want to make a video with you and you could show some like techniques to strengthen your pelvic floor and show different body sizes. Or maybe you have a plus size friend, right? Someone who might, hey, if if I come to visit sometime, you know, we'll make a video together, right? And you just show and and show different augmentations for people in larger bodies or people with different abilities, right? Um, And so just those little things, right? Of how can we bring different perspectives, different voices into our bubble and uplift them? How do um, you, Lexi, with, you know, your marketing for your great waxing places, like to, you know, get testimonials from people of all shapes and sizes afterwards, right? And have images of, um, you know, people sitting in your lobby of all different sizes and making sure that there are comfortable places to sit that have chairs without arms. So people of all sizes and abilities know that they are welcome. When you're headed out to um, uh, out to dinner, if we ever get to leave our kids and go out to dinner with friends, um, and you know that you have a plus size friend joining you, you know, don't pick a table that's a high top. Don't pick a booth that's tiny. Um, and those are things that we don't think about until we realize, oh, no wonder my friend like always pulls over a different chair or they're always, you know, moving around on that bar stool because they're really uncomfortable, but they don't want to say anything because they want to fit in and feel like everyone else. And, and that's the thing is that we don't need to be like, you know, a big flashing banner everywhere. Like I'm size friendly. I love fat people. Like, no, that's not what we're saying at all. We're saying create a safe space and a welcoming environment for people of all colors, shapes, sizes, and abilities. It's that simple. But it's not simple, right? Like there's a lot that needs to go into that, but it starts with just sitting back and examining our world and taking a different perspective and a different look at it. And it's going to make us better humans in the long run. I loved so your dove story. I read it on your blog oh, Yeah, You're at the Dove event and they were doing makeup and there was that director's chair with the arms. And, and I can imagine that when you saw, you saw that chair and you thought, I'm not, that's not going to work for my body. 
And you had the courage to actually share that in stories and and advocate and in a nice way. And then the brand, I mean, it is Dove after all, but the brand took it seriously. And I just love that story so much. Yeah. To give it a little context, it was at the Mom 2.0 conference, which is one of the biggest mom influencer conferences. B'nai Brown was the keynote speaker. And they had Dove had this room and it was hashtag real moms, right? And we were getting our hair curled and they handed us champagne for those who wanted it as we walked in. And I'm just standing there in line and I see these director chairs, which I'm a big girl, but I'm also only five feet tall and a half inch. The half inch counts. Um, But I'm very short, right? So climbing up on tall chairs is hard anyways. Um, But I knew that it wasn't wide enough for me. So here I'm standing and I'm waiting about a half hour and I'm thinking, I'm a real mom. I deserve to be here. I know that, uh, you know, five years ago, I would have walked right out. And I looked around the room and there weren't a lot of plus size people in there and there was good diversity at the conference. And so I just started doing an Instagram story like, hi, <laughs> this is, I'm a little nervous, but I'm going to stand in line and I'm, I'm just going to ask if they can pull over. I saw a little conference chair. Can they just pull over that chair without arms? And immediately the Dove team realized what was happening. And they're like, oh, we can, we can rearrange all this furniture. We can bring over this couch. And I was like, no, no, no. Like I didn't want to be a spectacle. I just wanted to feel like everyone else. And so um, I just brought over the chair. My hair got curled. I got to go hear Benny Brown speak. Um, and then a Dove rep saw me walking at the conference and stopped me and was like, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, we're going to do better. Well, I mean, honestly, I, I don't work with Dove anymore. I have in the past, but I use their deodorant every day. I love Dove. I love their hairspray. And it just made me feel good. But I'm like, eh, we'll see. Because we hear that a lot, right? Brands saying we're inclusive and their clothes go to 2X. That's not inclusive. Um, So the next day, I walk into that same room, that hashtag real moms, and they had gone out and they bought chairs without arms. Not only that, they put the Dove sticker on the chairs. So they looked like they belonged there from the beginning. And the environment in that room had completely shifted. And there were plus-size people getting their hair curled. And it was amazing. And then I ended up, you know, Dove flew me out to New York at the beginning of 2020 before the world went upside down. And, um, you know, we talked about, um, you know, how how can we be more inclusive? And I was at an influencer event with other people who are diverse. And, yeah, so... I'm proud to wear my Dove deodorant and they're a great brand, but it's a really good example of how, you know, we can really create change overnight by running to Target. You're, yeah. I mean, you're so inspiring and and that your confidence and these little things, and they're not little at all, but like you're making them sound like no big deal. I just kind of like started a story and it, it, I can only imagine how much that took to do that. And you're paving the way for other women to feel so much more comfortable and confident. And that's amazing. So Thank you. I'm really grateful that we did this chat. I'm so happy I could come on. The twins have been quiet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is there anything you want to leave like our listeners with that we didn't touch on? Cause I mean, you've, you've, you've touched on so many facets of this, but uh, anything that you want to leave them with? You know, we've given so many tips for how to be an ally and talking about care providers, but I just want to speak a minute to the the plus size person listening right now and just that you're worthy. You're worthy of great health care. You're worthy of being treated with respect and dignity out in the world, but especially with those who love you. So you're worthy of that and speak up and know that and, you know, create a safe space for yourself in your home and in the world as much as you can. And I'm here for you too. 
And I would love to connect with anyone and everyone. Um, for anything related to plus size pregnancy, you can find me over on plussizebirth.com where we have um, that guide on how to connect with a size-friendly care provider that you can access. I've also written a week-by-week plus-size pregnancy um, breakdown that's completely free, and it's uh, every week you'll get a newsletter that's specifically for what is going on with your plus-size body during pregnancy, all positive evidence-based information. Uh, And then if you're obviously a podcast listener, uh, I have a show, Plus Mommy. The tagline is from bumps to bellies. We talk about it all. So it's not just about pregnancy, as you know, we talked about getting waxed when you're in a larger body. Um, So it's a great show for anyone who self-identifies as plus-size or really anyone who wants to be a better ally too. So thank you again for having me on your show. This has been such a moving conversation for me as well. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at we go there podcast and check out we go there podcast.com for more info.